I want to give a very warm welcome to everyone worshipping here today and on this lovely morning, the Lord's Day. I'm your visiting preacher today, Donnie McLeod, and it's a privilege to be here. I just want to give a welcome to, to you all. And if there are any visiting, a special welcome to you. It's always good to have visitors along. And we look to the Lord for his blessing to accompany all that's done for him. Just to focus our minds on the word from the very beginning. Hebrews 12 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Lord, as we come before you to worship you, we pray that we would be focused on worship, worshipping the living and the true God, and that all that's done would be acceptable and glorifying to your great and worthy name, because you are worthy of all worship and of all praise. So, Lord, we want to still our hearts before you. We ask that you would wash us and cleanse us from sin. And we pray that as we turn and sing your praise, may we have such joy in our hearts as we praise the living and the true God. We give thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing, first of all, from Sing Psalms 93. Sing Psalms 93, that's on page 123 of the psalm book sing psalms 93 on page 123 the lord is king his throne endures majestic in its height the lord is robed in majesty and armed with strength and might if you're able please we'll stand to sing this psalm
Well, it's good to see some younger people here amongst others, and I want to share a little talk with you now. Um, just about a year ago, almost, uh, Catherine and I, we, we retired from the work of the Faith Mission, and so we had to move out of the house that we lived in. It belonged to the mission, and we were able to get a little house of our own. And this little house had been lying empty for quite a long time. And so as you do, you go in, and we did some painting and cleaning, and we were able to, to move in. So then after a while, the, the shower started to, to get to me a little bit, and I thought, I'm going to give this shower a right good clean. It was clean before, but I reckon it needed some more work done on it. So I got the cleaning stuff, and I got the cloths, and I cleaned, and I scrubbed, and I cleaned, and more cleaning stuff, and more cleaning, and scrubbing, and wiping. But it still wasn't clean. Because there was, there was like that black moldy stuff. Was, it was ingrained into it. The, the seal around the bottom, it was black with mold. And it didn't matter how much effort or how much cleaning stuff I used. It just didn't take that away. And then I looked at the tiles. And round the tiles there were black. And it didn't matter how much cleaning. I might have got it sort of clean on the outside, but it was that before. But it was, it was deep. And it was ingrained into it. And all my cleaning just wouldn't work. And I often said to Catherine, oh, I said, it'll just be great when we get the, the new bathroom and the new shower. And we were looking forward to that day. And then, as I was cleaning, I thought, this is really what our lives are like. Isn't it our hearts? Because sometimes we try ourselves to, to clean, clean ourselves up a little bit, don't we? And that's, there's nothing wrong with that, trying to be better. And if there's things that are wrong, we try and put them right as much as we can. But our hearts are like the, our shower. It didn't matter how much I tried. I could never get it clean. And that's true with our hearts. It doesn't matter how hard we try, or for how long we try, or how much effort we put in, we will never clean our hearts. And we need Jesus, don't we? In Ezekiel we have a verse, And I will give you a new heart, and a new spirit, and I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone and your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will give you a new heart. Well, the time had come, and our son-in-law Thomas came along, and we ripped out the whole thing, every bit, even the plasterboard. It was all taken out. Anything that showed any signs of damp or mold or anything like that, it was all taken out and it was put away to the damp. And then there was lovely new plasterboard put on. There was new wet wall put round the shower. Lovely new white sealant and a new shower. And I thought, wow, what a difference. It's all nice and clean and it's white and it's new. And you know what a difference it makes to our hearts when Jesus just does that work. He does that work of cleansing, of forgiving. He gives us new hearts. We can't do that ourselves. You see, because with our hearts, they're hard hearts. Our hearts don't love Jesus. Our hearts, we, we don't follow Jesus as we are. But when we come to him and ask him to cleanse us and ask him to be our saviour, he gives us hearts that will love him, hearts that will follow him. As he said in the Bible, I will give you a new heart. That's the hearts that we need, isn't it? New hearts that Jesus gives that will follow him, that will live for him, that will trust him. And that will one day be forever with him in heaven. Because we can't clean our hearts.
But isn't it wonderful that we have a Savior who came into this world and he said he came to save. He came to clean. He came to wash. He came to forgive. And we can know that when we go to him and ask him to be our Savior and put your trust in him. I wonder if you have if you've ever done that and if not you need a new heart but Jesus alone is able to do that for you Lord we do pray and thank you for your precious word we thank you for Jesus who is a wonderful saviour we thank you Lord that you sent your son because you know that we have sin in our hearts and we can't resolve that of ourselves But we thank you that you sent Jesus who was willing to die on the cross so that our sins could be forgiven. That we could have a new heart. A heart that would love and trust in Jesus. Oh Lord, we thank you that this is what you're willing to do for us. It doesn't matter how young we are. It doesn't matter how old we are. We need you and we need this new heart that you alone can give. Thank you for being such a wonderful saviour. Thank you for always being ready to forgive anyone who will come to you. So help us to come. Help us to come anew. Help us to come afresh. That we would see you as you are and trust in you. Bless the young people as they go to Sunday school classes. Thank you for them and thank you for those who teach them. Bless them and encourage them and We pray that your protection would be upon them while they're young. That they would grow to know and to love Jesus. Following him. Walking with him all the days of their lives. So Lord we give you praise and thanks. In Jesus name. Amen. We're going to sing again this time from. Sing Psalms 34. Sing Psalms 34. That's on page 40 of the psalm book. Sing Psalms 34 on page 40. And we're going to sing verses 7 to 11 from this psalm. Psalm 34 on page 40 at verse 7. The angel of the Lord surrounds and guards continually all those who fear and honor him. He sets his people free. Come. Taste and see, the Lord is good. Who trusts in him is blessed. Oh, fear the Lord, you saints with need. You will not be oppressed. Psalm 34, verses 7 to 11, and we'll stand to sing, please.
want to read from God's Word from the Gospel of John and chapter 5. Gospel of John chapter 5. We'll read the, the first 18, 18 verses of this chapter. It's entitled, The Healing at the Pool on the Sabbath. John chapter 5 from the beginning. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool, in Aramaic called Bethsaida, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of individuals, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man who was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, and while I am going another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, the man who healed me, that man said to me, Take up your bed and walk. They asked him, Who is the man that said to you, Take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn, and there was a crowd in the place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father is working until now, and I am working. This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own Father, making himself equal with God. Amen. And we pray that God would bless this reading of his word to us. Let's again join in prayer. Lord, we do give thanks and praise to you for your word thank you that you've given it to us that we have it thank you for all that it contains much more than we're able to, to grasp that we ask that as we have read this short portion of it that you would bless it to our souls that you would help us to see in it what you would have us see today because it's your word, the gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. We thank you, Lord, that we can come together and meet like this in peace and in the quietness and the comfort, the warmth of this building. We can meet together being assured that you are with us here. What a wonderful promise that is. We're in the presence of the King. Lord, we ask for grace to be humble. That we would take a lowly place before you. That you would have all the praise and all the glory. We pray, O oh Lord, for those in other lands who do not have the wonderful privileges that we have. And that we enjoy. We pray for those who are persecuted. 
those who are imprisoned, those who are going through great trials because of their faith. We remember them before you, O Lord, and pray that they would be made very aware of the one who comes alongside to help. That they would be so immersed in the presence of the King. Be so aware of the friend that they have in Jesus. The one who is truly sufficient for every need. Watch over them and keep them strong, we pray. We pray for those in Torah where, where there's war and there's so much strife and destruction and loss of life and lack of necessities of life and injuries. Oh Lord, we pray for those parts. We pray for your will to be done. You alone have the answers, Lord. We don't have the answers to these things. But you are the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. You know all things. Lord, please intervene, we pray. May your will be done. Have mercy, we ask you. Stop all who are bent on evil, we pray. That peace would reign. That your word would go forth. Thank you for your people that will be on both sides of the conflict. O Lord, come to them, we pray. Minister, we ask you. We pray, O Lord, for your word as it goes forth today in the various congregations throughout the city, throughout the highlands and islands, throughout our land. We seek your blessing. And we ask for your servants who will and have and will proclaim your truth today in your will. We pray for your upholding grace and strength for each and every one. That this might be a, a glorious day for the gospel going forth. Oh Lord, we so desperately need you to come and revive us and to restore us. We need you to come, Lord. We need your forgiveness for we have, as a nation, we have gone so far away from truth. We have gone in error. We have gone a reckless route. Oh Lord, we appeal to you, the God of mercy. Have mercy upon us, we pray. We pray for those in authority. We pray for our King. We ask, O oh Lord, for them. That they would have eyes that would be towards you. That they would have wisdom. That they would seek wisdom from above. That there would be a, a return to the truth of your own word. Righteousness alone will exalt a nation. So, Lord, please help us and have mercy upon us, we pray. We pray, O oh Lord, for your people here, for all connected with this congregation. We seek your blessing and we seek your strength. We seek your grace because your grace is sufficient. Our strength is made perfect in, 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 in your strength. Your strength, Lord, we, we look to you. We would go on in the strength of God the Lord. In our weakness, Lord, make us strong in you. So, Lord, we, we look to you for this time. We pray that you would help us through. Bless every family, every one represented here, and those of our wider families as well. We commit each one to you, the children. We ask, O oh Lord, that you would be gracious as you are. You are a God of grace and mercy. We pray, O oh Lord, that your touch would be so evident in these days and that we would know it and that we would know your command that says that the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. May we enjoy you forever, O oh Lord, and to glorify your great and worthy name. Cleanse us afresh. Forgive us, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Before we turn back to look for a little while at the, the passage we've read, we're going to sing once more. <clears throat> this time from Sing Psalms 38. 
Sing Psalms 38, that's on page 48 of the psalm book, and we'll sing from verse 13 to the end of the psalm. Psalm 38 at verse 13. I'm like the deaf who cannot hear, and like the mute who cannot cry. I'm like a man who hears no sound, whose mouth can offer no reply. I wait for you, O Lord my God. And you, O Lord, will answer me. I prayed to you. If my foot slips, let them not gloat exultantly. We'll sing these verses from verse 13 to the end of the psalm to God's praise. short prayer before we turn to the word. Lord, we're always so conscious that when we come to your word, we we do not have what it takes of ourselves, either to speak or to listen. We look to you for help, dear Lord, that we might know that, be aware of it's your word that we come to. Help us to be careful to hear what you are saying through it. 
that our hearts would be softened and open to receive your truth. So, Lord, help us, we pray, at this time especially. Grant that you would be honoured as we give thanks to you alone. In Jesus' name, amen. At verse 6 of this chapter that we've looked at, John chapter 5 at verse 6, we read the words when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time. He said to him, do you want to be healed? Somebody wrote, and it's a quote, I'm not sure who it was, if you really want to do something, you'll find a way. If you don't, you'll find an excuse. It's true, isn't it? I was reminded as I was thinking over this and and preparing it, a thought came to me about my uncle Andrew, a godly uncle I had in Dingwall while he was born and brought up in Rogert, lived in in Dingwall. He passed away when I was just a young boy at school early from a heart attack. And uh, I believe I was told that After his death, the minister made a comment about him, obviously referring to verses that we find in Matthew, chapter 7, where it says, Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. And seemingly he made the, the statement after Uncle Andrew's death that Andrew Ross, who is not with us anymore, was numbered among those few. I wonder, could that be said of us today if it just so happened that Someone who's here today, they're not here next week. Could it be said that they were numbered among those few? Jesus did many miracles prior to this passage that we're looking at in John's Gospel. We just, prior to this, we have the healing. Uh, the, The Samaritan woman at the well the healing of the official son the Samaritan woman the Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans but that didn't stop Jesus speaking to her the healing of the official son he didn't even go to the house but he gave the word go and your son will live and we pick up the reading here after this there was a, a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem And I'm sure that we are amazed and we should be amazed when we read through God's word, when we read through the Gospels, just how various events unfold in the providence and in the will of God. And so often don't we find, yes, Jesus influenced the multitudes, but how often do we find Jesus going out of his way or meeting with one person. There's needy people and in a sense we're all needy people, aren't we? We're all needy. But how often does Jesus go out of his way for a needy person? And you know, so should we. First of all, I want to think about the multitude that we're told of here now there is in Jerusalem in verse 2 the sheep gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethsaida which has five roofed colonnades and uh, in these lay a multitude of invalids blind, lame and paralyzed and this was, it was a place there could have been one maybe more than one pool but there was these roofed areas where these people who were invalids would have had shelter under, they would have sheltered them from, from the heat of the sun or from, from the day. 
And there they lay a multitude of people were told who were invalids. And this really is a picture of what mankind is like. It's what we're like spiritually outside of Jesus Christ. We're blind, we're lame, and we're paralyzed. You see, without Jesus, we can't see him. We're blind to him. The Bible tells us that. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So spiritually, without Jesus, we're blind. We're also lame. Because we're not following Jesus. See, outside of Jesus, a born-again believer is described as someone who is a follower of Jesus. But outside of him, we're, we're not following. We're lame spiritually. And we're, we're, we're paralyzed. Because there's no spiritual movement. You might say, well... That's not a great start. You might be here saying today, well, why did, I, why did I even bother coming? Well, if that's all we heard today, and the Lord applied that to the heart of someone, it could bring someone to a re- realization of how we are, really are before him. We're spiritually blind, we're spiritually lame, we're spiritually paralyzed. It's not a good place to be. But the, the, the gospel is truly wonderful because Bartimaeus, for one example, he was blind, physically blind by the roadside. But when he met with Jesus, he, he, he said when Jesus called him, what do you want me to do for you, Lord? I want to recover my sight. Recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. And his eyes are open. And who does he see? Who's the first person he sees? It's Jesus. And what does he do? He follows him. What about, I think I spoke about this the last time I was here. The man who was, who was carried daily to the, the temple gates. And, and, and that's as far as he got. He was, he was carried there and he was just laying there. And that was his life. Until the disciples came along and, and they told him and introduced him to the Lord Jesus Christ. And it was in, in his name, it was faith in his name that enabled him to get up. And he's no longer at the temple gates. But he's up and he's running and he's walking and he's leaping and he's praising God and he's, he's going in with them. And what about the man on the mat? We all know that story, don't we? The paralyzed man whom his four friends carried and they couldn't, they couldn't get him to Jesus but they made a hole in the roof and they let him down in front of Jesus and Jesus said to him, Son, your sins are forgiven. Pick up your mat. That's what happens when we have an encounter with Jesus Christ. You see, it's, it's, it's life transforming. Without Jesus, we're, we're lost. We're spiritually lame and blind and paralyzed. But an, an encounter with Jesus Christ, when we, when we come to him, we can know our, our sins forgiven, our eyes opened, our, our, our lame spiritual legs walking. And, and our, our paralyzed state freed because of Jesus. You see, that's what Jesus can do. There was a man among the multitude, an invalid. Here we're told about in the passage. And who would help him? Well, secondly, I want to think about that, that miracle. 38 years, we're told, this man was an invalid, not saying that he lay at the pool, 30 years we're not told that but we are told when Jesus saw that he was there a long time he saw he had already been there a long time now whatever it was I'm certainly not clear and when you read commentaries 
people are not clear about what this actually was or if it ever even happened at all. But there was something that that happened around that pool that this man seemed to believe that if he could get there when the water was stirred, whoever got down there first would be healed. And and that, that, that was his hope. But he never got there. He never got to that place. He couldn't. He was there a long time in that same position. You know, and it's possible that there's someone here or there's somebody listening. And you've been as you are a long time. Maybe you've been coming along to church for a long time. But you've never really moved spiritually. You're still blind. You're still lame. You're still paralyzed. And you've been like that, spiritually speaking, I'm obviously meaning. And you've been like that a long time. You see, we're told about this man that Jesus saw him. And he was there a long time. Friend, is that you? Have you been as you are a long time? He was there. It seems that he saw others. He was aware that others had got down before him. But he had never got there. Perhaps for you, you've witnessed others going forward. You've witnessed others sharing a testimony perhaps of how they had come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as Saviour. It might have been a family member. It might have been a friend. It might have been somebody in the fellowship that you'd been coming to a long time. Maybe you've witnessed people coming forward and openly professing their faith and taking their place at the Lord's table. Others have gone, but you're still where you are. And you've been there a long time, just like this man. Sometimes, but people like that that we're concerned about. Perhaps we haven't heard about them for a wee while. I inquire sometimes about family members or cousins. Sometimes I say, well, is there any movement spiritually? And too often you hear the answer, no. Not that we know of. You know, the reality is so often that they've been there a long time. Friends, if this is you, you need to do something about that. We go on. The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up while I am going another step down before me. In his heart, he wanted to be healed. I have no one who's going to help me. It's like he's saying, I'm, 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 I'm trying, but I'm not managing. I have no one to help me. But the reality is that the one who was going to help him was standing before him. And the reality is this, Today, dear friends, that the one who is able to help you is not the one in the pulpit. But it's the one who has said that his presence will be with us when we gather together like this. And you know the wonderful thing about when we, when we come together, the, the importance of coming together in his name, that his promise is that I will be there. And you are in the place where you're most likely to get help. The place where the word is read, the gospel is preached and God's people are gathered together. This is the place where he is. It's the place where you're most likely to get help. And how often have you come into a situation like this? And you've gone out the door and you've been there a long time. 
And your eyes have never been opened to the, the wonder and the beauty of who Jesus really is. You've never received that love that was poured out for sinners at Calvary. Been there a long time. And the question for anyone like this is the same question as Jesus asked. The man who was by the pool, he said to him, do you, do you want to be healed? Remember I said at the, the beginning, if you really want to do something, you'll find a way. But if you don't, you'll find an excuse. If you really want to be saved, if you really want to have your, your, your eyes open spiritually and to be up and walking and leaping and praising God, then the way is Jesus. If you really want that, you'll find a way. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But there were others there that day. We're told that there was a multitude but we're told that Jesus saw this man. And there's something just so there's something so lovely and so precious about that. But that Jesus said he, he, he saw him lying there. And maybe there's someone here today and you're saying, I wonder, is Jesus seeing me? You you know that you're you're lost and without hope. You, you know in your heart that you've never been born again. And maybe you're saying in your heart today, I wonder is Jesus seeing me? I want to take you to Isaiah chapter 30, just for a few moments. And we see there in verse 18, I'll just read these couple of verses. Therefore the Lord waits to be gracious to you. And therefore he exalts himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him. This is talking about a, a, a disobedient people. The, the people of Israel who had gone far away from God. For a people shall dwell in Zion and Jerusalem. You shall weep no more. And this is the part. He will surely be gracious to you at the sound of your cry. As soon as he hears it, he answers you. God is so gracious. The Bible tells us that he waits to be gracious to you. And he will surely be gracious to you. At the sound of your cry. As soon as he hears it. He will answer. So my friend. Can I say. Gently to you today. That if you are still the same as you've always been. And you've been in that situation a long time. The reason is that he has never heard your cry. Because the Bible tells us the Lord waits to be gracious to you. Would that not draw you to him? Would that not tell you today you need to come? that not tell you you need to cry out to him because as soon as he hears your cry and that's a genuine cry from the heart he says he will answer he ordered this man to do something he couldn't do this man was an invalid for 38 years Maybe you're saying, I, I can't do it. And you'd be absolutely right. Nobody can do it. That's why Jesus came. 
God knew that. Nobody can. He said to the man that couldn't even move himself across to get into the pool, he said, get up. How could he do that? Oh, he couldn't apart from the miraculous power of Jesus. His power. Jesus is willing to show mercy and grace. He's willing at the sound of your cry to hear and to be gracious. How often do we underestimate the power of Jesus? At once the man was healed. He took up his bed and walked. And now it was the Sabbath. I'm not going to go into this because uh, it's, uh, it would take up too much time today and our time is going very quickly. But um, <clears throat> the Jews were, they seemed to be more concerned about the fact that this man was carrying his bed on the Sabbath than, he, than, than they were about the fact that he was no longer at the pool an invalid, but that he's, he, he's up and he's, he's walking. Because they heaped these extra rules on top of people, rules that beyond what was given uh, th- through Moses. And one of them was, you must not carry anything on the Sabbath. That would be seen as work. The man, they said, who was this fellow? The man didn't know who it was who healed him. But then something else happened. This takes us to our final point. Uh, Jesus, we're, we're told, found him again. And this time the man, he's in the temple. And I uh, just want to, to end up with this. Uh, there's a message, or more than a message, there's a warning here just to, to look at. Go and sin no more. What an important message from the mouth of Jesus. Being, being physically healed was, was amazing enough for this man in itself, but that, that wasn't enough. There's something much more important had to be done for this man that this man needed to, to do in his own life. Afterwards, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. He's reminding him, you see. He says, see, look look at you now. You're well. And you know, that can be the case. Sometimes people go through a very difficult time of of trial and struggle. It could be ill, ill health or something. And... At times like these, sometimes people are are drawn closer to the Lord. And you think, well, is the Lord really speaking to this person? This person seems to be getting a a touch from the Lord, as it were. Only that when the trouble passes, whatever it is, the the person can drift away back again into the way that, that they were. And, and that impression that seemed to be upon them, it just lasted a, a little while. But Jesus is saying, see, look, you're well. Rejoice in that. Rejoice in God's goodness to you. But there's something more. Go and sin no more. It would seem that sin was the cause of this man's trouble. Somewhere away, way back, when the Bible doesn't say that Sin is always the cause of people's troubles, but it would seem in this case that that, that, that was so. And once the, the, the danger is past, people can drift away, but Jesus said to him, sin no more. He wasn't going back and saying to him about some particular sin in his life that maybe happened long, long ago, but he said to him, really, from this point forward, don't go on in a life of sin. Don't go on like that. You, you need to change. You need to turn. You need to repent. You know, it's one thing having a physical touch from the Lord, and that's amazing and miraculous in itself. But we need our hearts renewed. We, we need re- to, to repent of our sin. Because without Jesus, we're going the wrong way. We're, 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 we're heading towards a lost eternity. But repentance is a complete turnaround. That, that, that we're forgiven and, and we're now going following Jesus we're going towards him and that's what he's saying no longer go on, on in a life of sin this is not about turning over a new leaf 
This is not talking about a, a New Year resolution or something like that. Some effort we're trying to make on our own strength to make ourselves better. No, this is life-transforming power of Jesus forgiving us. When we cry out to him for mercy, when, when we plead with him. And friend, if you've been like this a long time, you, you need to plead with Jesus. You need to cry out to him. Because he's saying, do not go on like this. Do not go on in this life of sin. But you need to turn, you need to repent. And he says, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put in you. No one, John, 1 John 3, 9, no one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him. He cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. When we're born of God, we don't go and not, that's not saying that we'll be perfect. No one will be perfect. This side of glory for all who are going there. But we do not go on in a life of sin. We turn to him. What is your hope? Is it Jesus? As the hymn says, have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in his grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See your well, well sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. And I finish with this. You might say, well, an invalid for 38 years, was that not bad, bad enough? Been there in that situation a long time. What, 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 what's the, the thing that is worse that might happen to him? Well, if he goes on in a life of sin, there's a day of judgment coming. And we seem to live in a day when that's largely forgotten. We seem to live in a day when it's largely forgotten that everybody's going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ and give an account. And for those who have never repented of their sin, for those who have never turned to Jesus Christ and pleaded to him for forgiveness, we're told that there's a judgment coming. And there's many descriptions given in the Bible. And one of them is that this will be a place of outer darkness where there will be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. Is it any wonder Jesus was saying to him, sin no more. Don't go on like this. But turn. Repent. Because there's a judgment coming. We sometimes sing a hymn. And the chorus says, O turn. O turn while the Saviour in mercy is calling. And steer for the harbour light. For how do you know but your soul may be drifting over the deadline tonight? That's why the Bible always says now is the time. Now is the day. Because we're not promised even tonight. But we are here now, aren't we? In a day of grace. And friend, if God is speaking to you, will you turn? Will you come? Will you plead? Will you cry out for forgiveness? So that your eyes will be opened. That you will see him by faith. The wonder. The beauty.
the love that was poured out for sinners at Calvary's cross. You can know that love if you turn to him. The one who waits to be gracious to you. When he hears your cry, he will answer. Lord, we pray that you would help us. Help us to have a cry in our hearts that you will hear and that you will answer because you are a God of grace. You're gracious and merciful towards sinners. Lord, we thank you for this and we praise your name. Your eyes should be open to the reality of who you are and open to the reality of our desperate need that we would come and fall down before you and cry out to you for mercy. Granted, Lord, while we're in a day of grace, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing in closing words from Psalm 130. That's in the Scottish Psalter. Part of the Psalm book, page 421. 421, Psalm 130, begins with a, a cry, this psalm, says, Lord, from the depths, I, to thee I cried, my voice, Lord, do thou hear, and to my supplications voice give an attentive ear. This, verse 3, second stanza says, Lord, who shall stand? If thou, O Lord, should mark iniquity, nobody would stand. No one. Except for the next line. But with thee there is forgiveness. Oh, let's praise him from our hearts. Because with him there is forgiveness. When he hears that cry. Let's, if we're able, stand and sing this final praise.
Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all.